Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level. Winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire, coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode and get ready to take action on your inspirations. Hey dreamers, here we are again, continuing the conversation with such an interesting guy, Chris Saad. You know, he hails from Brisbane. He's the former head of product at Uber Developer Platform. And it's just like, we just want to know how this guy builds strategies and products and even ecosystems. And he has been around so many different environments. He's a real magician when it comes to developer platforms, but he has also headed up a lot of teams. So we are so curious to find out a little bit more about what this mentor of founders of startups has really learned over the years working with teams of people and how to create a culture that is um, productive, uplifting, and somewhere where you want to be. So, hey, Chris, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you very much. So I was really inspired um, by some of your words around, you know, team culture and, and how you actually foster this. And before we get into, you know, you sort of have this this top 10, these, these tenants that you like to work with. But what kind of teams were you in and, and how did you come up with these tenants? Well, I mean, I've, I've mostly built my own teams because I've mostly worked in companies uh, that I've myself started. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, a lot of these teams are teams that I've put together, um, you know, over the years and, you know, felt my way through and figured out what worked and what didn't work. Uh, mm -hmm. And then a lot of it also came into sharp focus uh, working at Uber because there were some teams that were kind of working themselves <laughs> to an early grave um, and some teams that were really stressed out and some teams that were doing very well. And, you know, we, myself and actually uh, another a partner of mine in the same team, we kind of made it our mission to make our team and our team culture amazing. And so we, mm. we set about doing a number of very explicit things to make that true. And so a lot of this also came from that. Awesome. Are you cool to share some of the things that you guys decided were going to be keys to making your team awesome? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let me try to 
yeah remember these and you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no worries so um i think that the first thing that any team any company any project needs uh is a big exciting shared mission and vision mm. um so you know sometimes the founder has this thing in their head but they may be keeping it close to their vest or they're not explaining it very clearly or they're just insisting that their team focused on the tactics um but it's extremely important to clearly articulate your vision and mission in the world and why everybody's working so hard and burning the candle at both ends. Mm. Um, and, and hopefully your team internalizes that um, through your own enthusiasm and, and your own kind of example. Awesome. Um, the other thing I've found super useful is, is to make sure that everybody feels like the CEO of their own thing. And mm. what that means is, you know, that they have agency to make decisions that they are accountable for outcomes and that they, they feel that sense of responsibility and that sense of authorship and ownership mm. um, so that let's say their job is whatever it is scrubbing the floors you know they they should be the ceo of janitorial gen, you know janitorial services right they, they, <laughs> you almost said another word i was like that's different yeah, yeah it's a different <laughs> thing altogether so you know but they, but they should feel like those floors are their floors and yeah. the how you know they should be given a mission like we want the cleanest floors in you know of any office building but the how of it, how do you get to those clean floors should be something that the, that the janitor can figure out for themselves uh, and, and that they can take a lot of ownership and, and authorship and pride in the outcome. Um, and so that's, that's the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is tone. You know, I think it's very easy inside teams to either have a, a great deal of apathy, like, oh, whatever, that's not my job or, mm. you know, whatever, I'm clocking off at 5 p.m. anyway. Uh, or a great deal of cynicism and snarkiness, like, you know, well, I could have done that better, or why did you not do this? And, you know, really a lot of finger pointing. But, I, you know, I try to foster a sense of enthusiasm and optimism in the team as much as possible. Um, you know, with every, you know, piece of good work that gets done, and particularly in team meetings, but also in one-on-ones, I, I try to show my genuine and authentic enthusiasm for that outcome and, and appreciation for the hard work that was put into it um, and, and really celebrating the wins. But, you know, without, paper over it, without papering over the hard discussions, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I learned, this is actually my next thing, which is to make sure people are kind of accountable and responsibly to each other and, and that there are actually hard conversations going on when things are not great and not enthusiastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in a snarky way, but in a way that's designed to try to build each other up and cover each other's blind spots. Um, and I, I, one of my CEOs taught me this, which is you praise in public and you criticize in private. Um, and so being able to pull a colleague or a, um, uh, someone you're directly, report, directly reporting to you and say, hey, look, I really feel like you're letting the team down in these specific ways. How can I help you step your game up in this thing? Um, because it's really hurting, you know, our productivity or the mission or what have you. And, and, but very, very specifically, not just having the, the boss say that to the, the direct reports, but having the direct reports, having that relationship with each other as peers, mm-hmm. uh, having a shared responsibility and accountability to each other um, is really important. I like that. The, I, I think this is a really important one around the tone because, I'll, and that idea that we don't shame people in front of others, you know, and that 
that the spirit is upliftment, enthusiastic, and yet having real conversations. And because I was going to ask you, what do you do with somebody who doesn't share that tone, like an enthusiastic mm. tone, maybe is snarky? How do you deal with that? Yeah, I, I would I would deal with it directly and, and honestly, which is in, in, a, in a one-on-one, and this is something that um, I think is done very, was done very well at Uber and at other Silicon Valley companies where I've done most of my work, is um, managers have one-on-ones with their team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a big part of their job, actually, is to have these one-on-ones that are not just about the work, but about the career, their career trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, and be very forthright, which is, you know what, I'm, I'm feeling just a lot of snark or a lot of apathy or a lot of whatever coming from your side. And, and that's just, just not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, if you're not enthusiastic about what you're doing or what we are doing to, together, you either need to change we need to assign you to something else or you need to assign yourself to another company. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and, 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 you know, obviously there are gradations of this and it escalates over time, but I would be very clear about it. Got it. But the, I, I find the most, I find that the, the best way to manage this is actually just through example. Um, I think people absorb your tone and, and personality from the top uh, and, Got it. and then from each other when they join the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I have here is um, managers with a service mentality. So for following on from the previous thought, which is it, the, the, the boss, quote unquote, is not there to boss people around. It is not the only person the team is accountable to. They should be accountable to each other. And so then the boss's role is not actually to be bossing people around or even telling them, you know, in, in the janitor's example, not telling him how to clean the floor, but rather why cleaning the floor is important and what the, the result you're looking for is. Mm. Um, so that then the boss's role is after they've explained the mission and the vision and what they're doing is to say, how can I be of service? Mm. How can I help you, Mr. or Mrs. Janitor to do, be the best damn janitor you can be? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what cleaning products do you need? What budget do you need? What other people do you need around you? Um, mm-hmm. how, you know, what schedule should people be coming and going and not stepping on your floor? And so it's really about you know, engaging your team and saying, how can I be of service? How can I unblock you? How can I help you do the best work you've ever done? Awesome. Um, yeah, so that's a really, I love what we're using the janitor as the long- I was example. just thinking the same thing. It's <laughs> actually really great. It's perfect. Yeah, well, because it, it really shows this is not just about, you know, white collar office work, right? This is, this is uh, for yeah. everything uh, all the time. Yeah. Um, and owning what you do and, and having pride in what you do yes. to do something well. Yeah, that's cool. right. Um, absolutely. I often find that uh, a lot of, you know, uh, people working in the service industry, you know, whether it's McDonald's drive through or whatever, are just missing so many opportunities day in and day out to demonstrate their value and potentially find a, a more interesting role, right? Because you're interacting with thousands of people. And who knows what opportunities those people have. And so if you can do that job, you know, amazingly uh, and really stand out as a bright spark, I think you'll probably get snapped up from behind the counter. Um, Preach. I'm here in, (laughs) here in Switzerland and I'm like, Oh man, let me at this restaurant right now. Let me get over there and help this thing. It could be way more fun. And you guys could serve people like, okay, I just have to interrupt to say this part. We went skiing and we get to this restaurant and it's busy and it's all happening. And, there's a twosome and then a f- us, a five. Mm-hmm. And the lady knows about both tables and she sits the twosome at the five table. And I was like, so interesting. And it was like, <laughs> Nat and I were just 
dying inside because the, <laughs> the inefficiency. Oh, by the way, there was a twosome over here. You know, like there was a two table opened as well. So oh, that right. wasn't gotcha. a blockage. And it was just so fascinating to watch um, yeah. Yeah, that, that go on. But anyway. Well, that's, that's because that's probably because they've been told your job is to seat people and your job is to, you know, get their order and to send it to the kitchen rather than being told our mission here is to create an authentic, whatever, Italian dining experience and to make people's nights that much better. There are people coming here to have engagements and wedding anniversaries and, um, you know, to have hard decision, uh, decisions and breakups. This, mm. this needs to be a safe space and a, and a place that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. That's your mission. Now go about You're doing such, that. You're so right, actually, because the, there's such a short term, um, a lot of people in their idea of what they're trying to create every day. I think so, a lot of people show up to work to survive the day that's yes. one thing but but that's life can can really open up yeah when you understand the mission thank you for using that example because i would love to watch you walk into swiss life <laughs> with the mission <laughs> oh my goodness awesome okay keep going yeah. keep going sorry i just had to share that no it's awesome um <laughs> so what else have we got here uh so another one is um you know you'll find um managers again with this kind of boss mentality instead of a service mentality it being very very paranoid uh, or or micromanaging about where the employees are and when they get to the office and when they leave and what days they've had off now, now if you're in a service industry or whatever you're a doctor like you've got to show up right and from when you're scheduled but for the most part um you know i'm uninterested about when people show up and when they leave what i'm interested in is if they're getting the work done and if they're doing it well. And so if they need to stay home today because they have a plumber coming and their, pl their pipe blew up or they, they're sick, um, then they should go do that. They should be allowed to be at their best when they show up to work. Mm. Um, and so that, that's a combination of things, which is like, I don't care where the work is getting done as long as it's getting done. And as long as they're in the office enough for kind of high bandwidth communication to happen. Mm -hmm. And also, they should be able to run their errands and, and solve their, you know, unexpected life problems without crazy scrutiny and, and undue pressure. Mm -hmm. um, but, and, and most clear example of that is if you're sick, be sick. Like, don't work from home. Go rest, sleep, you know, recuperate mm -hmm. um, and, and recharge because there's nothing worse than having to push through that. And, and you're just, you're, you're, the general malaise that you get into is just no fun for anyone. Um, so yeah, funny anecdote of my own about that. My, my first week at Uber, um, I got really sick because a lot of my career had been work from home. And so my first week there, you know, I was very stressed, wanted to make a good impression. And my first day in a, like an office environment in a long time. And I got really sick, really, really like death door sick, yeah, you know, right. metaphorically speaking. And, uh, but I was like showing up to work anyway. And they were like, go home <laughs> what are you doing here but it wasn't just that they wanting to be kind it was like they didn't want me to infect the whole the whole office obviously yeah right. um so yeah they were like no you and you're sick just go go home and and, and get better get well so it's good to know yeah that they actually do um honor that idea because some people try to be valiant you know like be a hero yes. um and i guess when you continue to be sick for two weeks because of that it's not that heroic is it that's right. That's right. That's okay. right. The other thing we did uh, for team building was, was, you know, events, right? It's after work, 
drinks and, you know, weekend adventures. Uh, you don't want to do it so much that you're encroaching on, you know, your team's private life, but certainly team building things that aren't forced or aren't too infrequent are really important. Um, I, something that um, the, the, the team at Uber actually bubbled up to, to us as managers was let's do a mix of things because if it's always drinking, well, some people don't want to drink and some people don't want to go out after work all the time because they have families and they, they have other commitments. And so mix it up. Sometimes it's morning. Sometimes it's a lunch thing. Sometimes it's a weekend thing and it's not, and it should be, you know, family friendly and, and a mix of things. Um, so that's a big one. Uh, you know, this is probably more relevant for Silicon Valley companies because they, they tend to love adv advertising. They have unlimited vacations. So basically, you know, go and do as much vacation as you want. The reality is it's a little bit of a trap because most people don't take their vacations. They feel like, oh, I've got to be, you know, a team player and I've got to work harder and I get promoted. And so they end up taking fewer vacation days when they have quote unquote unlimited vacations. So we, we went out of our way on my team at, at Uber to insist that people took their vacations and we celebrated when they went on vacation and, and were enthusiastic about that. Love that. Um, truth seeking culture is a really important one. I've heard so many horror stories lately of Australian companies that are so, so political and so fragile, so many fragile egos and, and people can't talk to their manager's manager and they can't, you know, they have to follow the chain of command. And so this other tenant is uh, truth seeking culture. Um, you know, especially at Uber, you could tell anybody, especially people above you, that they were wrong and you disagreed with them. Um, the best example I have is um, the CEO. And you could do this to anyone. So if in theory, if you were in the meeting with, with the CEO um, and you just were disagreeing with what he was saying, you should, you, it's your responsibility to say, I disagree with that and here's why. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really lauded. And um, sometimes that was called toe-stepping. Sometimes that was called truth-seeking. And it's especially important to do it upwards because, you know, speaking truth to power. Um, when you're doing it downwards, you, you need to be, you know, gentle and, and thoughtful about how you do that. But um, the, the, the notion there is the best ideas win. And oftentimes the best ideas are coming from people at, the, you know, at the coalface or where the rubber hits the road. And so you, you absolutely want to hear those best ideas as fast as possible and implement them as, as quickly as possible. Hmm. Um, and then the last one that I, is really my, my favorite one is celebrating big, bold bets. You know, oftentimes it's very easy to understand when something incremental is done. So, oh, great. You increase, increase the sales from 10% to 12%. Um, or you, you know, you launch that product on time on that, on that date, or, you know, you hit your target for the week. These are very easy things to understand, to do, and to celebrate. But I'm personally much more interested in figuring out a new line of business, figuring out a new category of activity, or making an entire manual process redundant, or you know, pivoting the business into something else. I'm much more interested in step function change. Um, and so you know, I, I, oftentimes those things are seen as risky, as career betting moves, as, you know, rocking the boat. Um, I, you know, these things, that's, those ideas are just kind of couldn't be further from the truth. I think the, the reason that companies get disrupted is because they, they are too afraid to change and they run into a thing called the innovator's dilemma. Um, where there's a whole book written about this, but essentially 
when you are making hundreds of thousands, millions or billions of dollars, a new venture inside the business will often appear infinitesimally small and therefore not worth pursuing. Um, but those, those trickles turn into streams and those streams turn into torrents and they, they turn into oceans. So you, you need to give them time to mature and be nurtured um, so they can become the next million, billion dollar business in line of revenue. Oh, love that one. I think this list is really um, clearly um, orchestrated out of someone who's worked in a real team, which you did. And just to kind of close it out, because it was really succinct, why or how did this make a difference, having this be part of your team, these tenants? Um, well, in a lot of different ways. Uh, you know, there, there was a, a period there uh, where Uber started to, was in, was in the media for, for a year of, for, and being accused of a, of a toxic culture and of a really challenging um, set of circumstances around the business. And some of that was massively exaggerated and some of that was, was true or was true in a sense. Um, but for our part on our team, um, and, I, and I checked in with everybody explicitly, you know, they were thrilled to be working on our team. And, and we were able to kind of navigate through the morale, you know, de the, the dents in morale. And we, we, were, we had some internal politics about our particular project as well that were really quite difficult. But... I, I felt like the team was really committed through, through the ups and downs. And, and at the same time, we were able to avoid, I think a lot of the burnout that could have happened um, and instead really come together like a family. And, and I think it was an extremely positive experience. It was, it was challenging and we all grew through it, but, but I think we did that together versus kind of uh, uh, sniping, you know, sniping at each other and, and getting burned out. That's, uh, thank you for mentioning, you know, that, I mean, it's a challenge because I think I think of sporting analogies in terms of staying committed, staying together and not getting burnt out. You know, that's something that doesn't factor in a lot of people's radar because this to me is like health. If you don't value your health or have it near the top, I think it should be your top priority. If you don't make it a priority, it will make itself a priority in your life. Mm -hmm. And that's what the irony of burnout. It's like, you can keep going at people like they're robots, but they will demonstrate to you that they're not a robot and, and that yeah. they actually um, can break down. Well, I guess a robot breaks down too, but um, mm -hmm. yeah. And so I, thank you. I appreciate those real life tenants that created a difference amidst a challenged overall culture. You know, you were, you were in a challenging situation as well. It wasn't just all roses and sunshine. So um, no, it was very challenging. But the, the thing is that, you know, I think the robot analogy is apt, especially in Australia, because I find there's a real lack of um, respect and, and, a, and an undervaluing mm -hmm. in the value of, of individuals and the team. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the example I always give is companies like Telstra that just shed percentages of their of their workforce on a regular basis and mm -hmm. are constantly reorging and rearranging and there seems to be a kind of you know complete um uh kind of lack of uh, appreciation for the value of these individuals their tribal knowledge and their their earned experience and um it's it's a I think it's a somewhat of a cultural thing and so you you people tend to start being treated as interchangeable and 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 as you said robots kind of just parts in a system Mm. Um, and 
the, and also I find a lot of people feeling a, a sense of apathy, like whatever I showed up, I did my best and I went home and, and then I get to go home and, you know, play cricket and, and, you know, drink, drink a beer. There's, there's, that happens, I think too often in, in Australian business culture. Mm. Um, and so in the Valley, it's the opposite. It's people are seen as the most valuable resource and domain expertise and, and experience. These are treasured. And people are given every perk. I mean, it's wow. also because it's a very competitive space. But like, you know, even on the extremes, there's like a Google where there's masseuses on site and foosball tables and food and, and snacks are provided. And these aren't all altruistic, right? These are these produce productivity. People stay longer. They, they don't have to leave for lunch breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're able to make friends and, and stay with the company longer because they also understand the cost of onboarding someone and training them up in terms of how things work and understanding institutional knowledge is incalculable. It's expensive as hell to onboard new people, new good people. Yeah, right. uh, and so this is a, a massive amount of waste um, that you can avoid by just treating your people well. Wow. That's, um, that's a really interesting perspective because, you know, Nat and I worked with a lot of teams and one of the things that, after probably two years of doing it, the one thing I thought was a theme was every single person that we worked with was pining for the weekend and their hobbies, meaning they were just where their real passion, you know, you talked about in this culture is of having enthusiasm, their enthusiasm, their abundance mentality, their possibilities all lived inside of their activities outside of work. And yet they spent the most time at work. And I just thought that, that, that conundrum was upsetting for me because I was like, that just, it just is not going to have a long-term outcome. It just can't work in the long term. And um, so thank you for, you know, mentioning that it's not like that everywhere um, and that it doesn't have to continue to be like that. So we can continue to make bold bets um, for change in this area for people. I love it, Chris. Um, I want to thank you for, you know, making those so succinct and, and digestible so that, you know, people that have teams can take it on and, and be the, be that mission per, you know, I just felt like I was in an episode of Star Trek with our mission. Um, whether, whether you're cleaning floors or, or you have like a sales team or whatever, whatever your team may be, um, it is possible. So thank you so much for speaking with our community and really um, uplifting them. I'd love talking to you. So thank you so much. No worries. Thank you for having me. This is, this has been really cool. And uh, yeah, hopefully it was useful. Awesome. Take care. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.